It's good to see you here this morning, and uh, we're having church at two different locations this morning. If you haven't noticed, uh, a group of our people are in Honduras, and let me tell you, they are having a great time. They've uh, they've texted me uh, all the fun events that they've been to already, and with pictures, and all of them are, you know, peace and doing the whatever that is. <clears throat> I love it. Gwen, my wife, is along uh, on her third trip to Honduras, and uh, Christy is leading the group this time, but I love that Twyler is on the trip, and her and Gwen, and Alicia and Jerry, they're, they're the more older of the group, but let me tell you, they're going to have to run to keep up with uh, Twyler. You know, all those younger adults on the trip, and they've been looking forward to it and stuff. And Twyler came to me, and she said, Pastor, do you, do you think I can keep up? And I started laughing. I said, what? I said, those young adults will have to keep up with you. And then she started laughing, and she was good. So uh, they're having a great time. Uh, let's get into today's message. Would you uh, pray with me? Father, today... Uh, Use my vocal cords, God, clear up, God, I pray against this ragweed that is in the air, and God, that you would give me clarity, and God, I pray that uh, as the voice goes forth, and God, the words that you put on my heart, that God, that it would go into our hearts, that God would produce a fruit a hundred times, God, what is planted, so that we would see, God, life changes, and Father, that we would see it and be able to give you the glory for it, in your name we pray, amen. Just recently, I changed the voice tone on my GPS to a male voice. Now, when I put in a destination, it says, it's around here somewhere, just keep driving. <laughs> An elderly woman came into her house late at night, and she saw a burglar inside taking her valuables. And she yelled at the top of her voice, Acts 2.38, which is the verse, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The burglar just froze. And he didn't move until the police showed up, put him in handcuffs. And when they put him, putting him into the car, they said, why did you just freeze? She just yelled a Bible reference at you, a, a reference verse. And he said, What? I thought she yelled that she had an axe in 238s. <laughs> it's good to laugh, isn't it? It's kind of sad sometimes people don't remember what I preach, but they'll go home and go, man, let me tell you, I got this joke. Don't, don't do that. This morning, if you have your uh, notebook, if you don't, we have one provided back in the back and uh, some pens. Um, we're going through a series this year, and let me tell you that, uh, as you know, that as you go through times in your life, you can look back and go, you know, I remember when we did that, but if you don't apply it to your life, and, and the quicker the better, it seems like life goes fast, and you know, you, you realize the, the older you get, uh, it seems like you're having birthday after birthday after birthday. And uh, you, you want to apply some of these things. Let me tell you, all of them, if you can. And the more that you apply is because the ones that you remember. 
So the more that you use your senses, not just your hearing, but your eyes and uh, all the different senses, it'll help you remember so much more. Uh, the series that we're in, we're talking about the blessing that God has put on our life as believers, as children of God. And what we a lot of times leave out, and a lot of times why people shy away from even talking about being blessed is because they think it's arrogant or it's conceited or something negative, but you realize it stems from I am blessed in order to be a blessing. Let me say it again so you can respond. I am blessed in order to be a blessing. Okay, that's about a four on the Richter scale of a 10 being the highest. Come on. I am blessed in order to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. And the reason why is when you begin to realize that, that there's something about those words that begin to generate something that goes on in the inside of you. It kills pride. It makes you generous. It creates gratitude. And when you realize that gratitude will kill fear and kill worry, all of a sudden then you begin to realize that you're not just blessed for yourself. Let me tell you, God wants you to have good things. But at the same time, you're blessed in order to be a blessing. Do you realize that sometimes inside of me, as I've told you before, that I want to be, uh, I want to scrutinize, scrutinize everything that I give to, and and that's good in order to be a steward of what God has blessed us with. But at the same time, <clears throat> there's things in my life that I, on purpose, give to that kind of pull my chain. Can I just be honest with you today? Like I haven't been honest before. <laughs> okay, here's the thing is sometimes when I see somebody holding a sign that says, uh, I, I need help, I need money, there's something about past experiences that have gone into what people have said that those people, they can make fifty to 75000 a year. Anybody heard, you know, figures like that? You know, And they really don't even need the money or whatever. There's something that goes off on the inside of me that I, I just kind of want to make sure that he doesn't see me or she see me when I'm driving by, you know? But there's something that goes off on the inside of me that says, I am not giving necessarily to that person, but I'm giving it unto the Lord so that what's going off on the inside of me about being, you know, stingy, there's always a way to be a blessing in every occasion. That's why God has blessed me. I know that went over like a rat sandwich in here, but just work on it. There's some things that are going on inside of you that keep you from doing all the things that God has for you because of what someone has spoken into your life. Can I just start us off this morning again by remembering that words change our thinking. The battlefield is located in your mind. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are your soul. Words change your thinking. Somebody can just say something to you and prime you, and you, your unconscious will direct you in that location a lot of times, and you're not even aware of it. Words change your thinking, and thinking after your thinking changes, your emotions change, your choices then change. After your choices, your habits, your character, and your destiny. And this morning, as we're talking about this continual, I am blessed in order to be a blessing, I want to talk. Last week, we talked about talk, 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 and the words that come out of our mouth. And we'll continue that in weeks to come. But what is really important right here, right here in the series, is our habits. 
And we're going to stay on this just for a few weeks so that we can get it. The, the people from Honduras are going to come back and they're going to be shining. So we want to give them an opportunity next week. But as this continues in weeks, I, I, want to, I just want to encourage you to be here every week. Bring a pen and a paper. Bring your cell phone if you want to take pictures. Put it in a file. We have all kinds of ways of recording things and keeping them in files so that we can recall them later. But I'll tell you, as you know the Word of God changes our thinking, therefore it will change our life. Today, as you look at that transformation in a believer, when, when the Word of God comes into our life, what frames our thinking as a believer is not somebody going, you know, the world is really flat. They just It's a conspiracy out there. They're trying to talk us into that the world's round. Or somebody that'll say, you know, we've never been to the moon. That was all Hollywood. They've all tried to, you know, you go, what? But there's levels of that that people will talk into our life that we believe that is not even true. It's not based on the word, but the word of God filters all that stuff out of our life, or it should if we allow it to. And with the Holy Spirit residing in us, that we can hear the Holy Spirit rise up and say, that's not true. That's not true for you. The Word of God changes our thinking. Now listen to this. It changes our emotions, our choices, and then our habits. And then when our habits change, it changes our character and our destiny. So when I talk about habits, there's all kinds of preconceived thoughts of what's going on in your mind right now of what a habit is. But maybe you'll hear something different in the next few weeks. Again, maybe just a little bit. And those words will change your thinking, therefore it will change your destiny. So let's talk about how the habits in our life will change our character and then our character, our destiny. You could call it uh, character habits that change our life. Uh, I, I want to recall so that we're all on the same page and kind of get us thinking this way, that all of us have a belief system, every one of you. The belief system that we stand on, out of that belief system, will make choices and out of those choices will come experiences that those choices put us in. To some extent, not everything, did you hear me? Not everything, but to a certain extent, our life is a sum of our choices. And we're so glad that God's grace is in our life that he can forgive us of some of those bad choices. We can pray for crop failure as far as the harvest goes. You know, we don't want the harvest of a bad choice. But for the most part, we have to watch the habits that are causing us to make choices. Because that belief system, if somebody believes that the world is flat, even though it is untrue, you're not going to get on a cruise and sell out because you're afraid that you're going to fall off the ends of the earth. It's a belief system that you made a choice, therefore you'll experience never going beyond home. Now, now let me say this again. In a, in a spiritual way, if you've been part of a church and you have put all your belief system in that people spoke fear, doubt, and unbelief, now let me tell you this, the good meaning people, but if you were in a, in, a, in a belief system church where you felt like that you were always walking one inch from the abyss, do, do you know what I'm talking about, some of you, that fear, doubt, and unbelief kept you on the straight and narrow? You became so sin conscious 
you, you really were committing another sin called the sin of omission. It's a big word that just says you weren't doing the right thing. You were just not doing the wrong thing. Which was forfeiting a huge, a huge part of being a child of God and walking in the blessing. You were just not, you knew all the nots to do. You just weren't doing all the do's, like walking in love. Today, I want to express freedom for you. And I'll say it again later, but until you receive the freedom of what the Word of God says, even though you know all the don'ts, if you don't know all the do's, you'll just stay over here in all the don'ts and realize one day I forfeited all this good stuff that God wanted me to have. And again, the belief system is so important. It is so important. I said it last week. If you're not aware of your belief system, of actually what you believe, now I'm not talking about just believing in Jesus Christ, but we're going to talk about our belief system until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll call it just fate. Our, our conscious is something, it, it's, it's amazing. You, you watch people, and it's like they're riding on a powerful animal, like an elephant. And the elephant is going, and they're telling themselves, I'm going to take a left, and the elephant takes a right because they're not really in control. And then what they do is they'll, they'll come up, yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. See, I wanted to go right. No, you didn't. And it's your conscious, it's your belief system that is playing in the background over and over and over and over and making those choices that you go, why am I in this? There's so many times your habits will shape who you are in your identity. And somebody will speak into your life that you're a child of God or you're the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And there's something that will come over you and you'll feel like, well, that, that's prideful. That's, that's, that's arrogant. But when you realize that's what the word of God says over you, that's false humility when you begin to take on the th subject of saying, you know, that's really not me. You're not being humble. It's not a godly humility. It's really you're coming against what God says about you. So I want to encourage you to see things this morning and upgrade your belief system and upgrade it by listening to the word of God spoken over your life so that you can walk in a new freedom and begin to realize things that maybe you've never realized in your life. Maybe it's even caused you a little bit of a bitterness or maybe even a little irritation. You know, anybody heard the old saying, you got a burr in your saddle? At our house, we have these little plants that grow beautifully all spring all over our property. I own three and a half acres, or three acres, I'm sorry, three acres, and, and they're beautiful. Matter of fact, my daughter-in-law from Puerto Rico thought that they were baby's breath, you know, that you put in flat. She goes, wow, you guys can be rich. All you got to do is sell that for about $5 a bouquet. Little did she know that in the fall, it's not baby breath. It's not the little flat. It is what we call in the country Goat head burrs. Anybody know what a goat head burr is? It's, it's just a little burr that on this little flower that looks so pretty. I mean, our kids would pick them and give them to mom in the spring. 
Mm. But in the summer, when the heat comes, it kills that plant, and those burrs become like Velcro on you. My dogs are border collies, and they've got that hair, you know, and it's just like they walk in, and <laughs> they're just covered with them. Yeah, we don't keep our dogs inside. Anyway, so then what happens is even when they walk across, you know, your path and touch you, burrs. We don't notice them, but sometimes they get in the washing machine and they end up in places where they shouldn't be, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you can be sitting in the most delightful of surroundings and circumstances. Everything's great but you're just a little irritated. And really, it's something, because you don't even really realize it until later you go, what is going on? And you find that one of those little burrs are where the sun don't shine. So when you get into the place you begin to start thinking, what is the thing that's causing me to be irritated? And it's those little habits that are going on that are triggering things in your mind that are firing. It can be, it can be positive, but sometimes it can be a lot of negative. It can be around church people. Now these are, now think about it. The whole definition of a church person should be somebody that is fun to be around it's liberating it's brother it's sister but the person that has the the habit that is firing something negative in their their mind that that burr in their saddle is because they're recalling something that a brother or sister had said years ago to them that made them mad and it caused harm in their life and in their family life. So they come up on somebody that has no connection with that and they go, I go to church, do you really? And all of a sudden that copper taste starts in your mouth. Well, why is that? Your belief system is that you have now unconsciously lumped all church people in that they're just sister bucket mouth or brother better than you, huh? To walk in love is something that's going to take upgrading your belief system. Not just letting the past go, but deciding what your future outlook on different things are going to be. It's going to take work. You know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And sometimes when we preach faith, 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 people go, you know, it's just, you just kind of, you know, they, they exaggerate to the point you just sit on the couch and let money fall on you. No. Faith without works is, that, that's pretty obvious. If you're not willing to put action into your faith, don't even try to start. You're just going to be frustrated. It's the same way with actions of changing your belief system. It's going to take work on our part. It's not going to just happen because we're here this morning. But I'm telling you, just our church is such a loving church and such a, man, I've seen so many life changes. I've got, let me tell you, I've got good news that people are going to recognize you when these things start happening in your life and they're going to say, hey, I want you to be a part of my Circle of friends, if they're not already. 
just because of you stand out in a dark world. Now, listen to this. How your habits can shape your identity and vice versa. In other words, your identity can create habits and your habits can create identity. It's, it's kind of a looping situation. But a lot of times it's a challenge and the challenge is because you try to change the wrong thing and you try to change your belief system the wrong way. Let, let me give you, there's, there's three kinds of layers that you can look at in changing your behavior. A lot of times when you're setting those habits together and going, God, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. Let me say it this way. You can do a change in your outcomes, a change in your process, your systems, or you're changing your identity. Now, let me say this, and I'll give you the one that I want you to change. Outcomes are what you get. That's outcome habits, that you're trying to change what you get. Processes are how what you do by trying to do the habit. But the third one is what I'm going to talk about, and it is so critical for us as believers. And it is the identity habits that come into our life is about what you believe. It goes back to the belief system. Again, let me say it in our church terms. When when you're going for the outcomes and the processes, you're working on doing good works. It's if I just do good things, if I just do good things. But the identity outcome is walking in who Christ says you are and building that healthy identity of being a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, Now, let me say this before I get any further into the message. You read some of the New Testament believers and they walked in extreme freedom. It's sometimes that we get bogged down with man's traditions, and we can blame the Catholic Church because they they had all kinds of stuff, but they meant well. They just it just wasn't the Word of God. But let me say something like this. Let me kind of give you an illustration. When Paul is preaching to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And he, he sees the same thing that's happening in them, the, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which we're Pentecostals, we believe that. And, and we, the, Paul sees things that are happening that are just amazing that was happening in the Jewish people. And he comes back to the council of Jerusalem and he's telling Peter and all the guys, man, the same thing is happening. It's a breakthrough. It's going great. What should I tell? You know what? The, this, this is the most spiritual people on the planet. This is like James, the half-brother of Jesus. This is the council. And you know what they do? They come up with really the restrictions of the new believers that are Gentiles are keep them from sexual immorality, preach against that. And number two is don't let them eat animals that have been strangled. That, that, you know, in other words, given to idols. That's it. Be free. Be a believer. What? What? They, they didn't have to go to church on Sunday. They, they couldn't drink Coca-Cola on Saturday. They couldn't, they could believe that God would bless them. All those restrictions weren't there. But in our lives, we got to be careful that our belief system hasn't been based on somebody else's opinion. Very critical. This, this is one core motivation to get into the Word of God. 
Because when you're in the Word of God and you're reading the Word of God for yourself, you know the good news is, last time I checked, it's in English. And you can read in English and all these translations in English that some of the early church didn't eat. That's where it got out of control where they couldn't even, and the Pope or the the priest would, you know, speak in, you know, uh, a different language that the people couldn't even learn until Martin Luther came and started translating the Bible in that native tongue of Germany or German. And then everybody went crazy. What? The people can't handle. You can handle it. The Word of God can change you just by building a belief system based on what the Word of God says, not with, on somebody else. And I would say what a pastor thinks, but, you know, your pastor's right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Again, the focus has to be on what you want to become, what the Word of God says in your life. Again, belief system, you're making choices, and out of those choices, you're putting yourself in experiences that will either confirm or deny your belief system, and it upgrades, it it updates. Sometimes it's frustrating for me that has a computer at home, and I have a cell phone that I carry around all the time. Have have you ever got that little notification? Because I'm kind of a little bit of a melancholy, and it bothers me when there's a little little number on there or something on my phone that it says you need to update and I look at that and I go I don't want to update it and the reason why is it'll change the way that I've done it sometimes and sometimes the process of doing this and this and this and all of a sudden the the update has changed it anybody with me on that it's important for you to update your belief system constantly Said the Brazilian melancholy. All right. And IT guy. All right. Now, let, let me say this. Let, let me put, you, you, you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and customize it. But right now in your belief system, there has been things in your life um, that have been taught you. And again, don't, don't go exaggerate and, and to the point of, I'm saying everything that has been taught you is wrong. No, I'm not saying that. But let's do something outside of being spiritual, okay, just for a minute. If, if I said, I have this outlet plug over here, could I have somebody that would like to stick their finger in that just for a minute? Just It's going to give you something. Now, usually, if you're over the age of a certain age, you know, I'm not doing that. And there's two reasons. Either you did it and found out I'm not doing that again because it shocked you, or what would be the other reason? Chances are you had a mother, father, they go, don't do that, which was a good thing. If you did not know that your mother, dad, told you not to do that because it was a good thing, what might you do later? Put your finger in the plug. They don't know what they're talking about. But that created a belief system the day that you put your finger in there or that the day that you believed your parents wanted the best for you, that you believed that was a belief system. And out of that belief system put you in a choice, I'm not going to do that, or a choice. They didn't know what I'm talk, they, they're talking about. So the experience then comes to the two different outcomes. Either I 
am shot free. Or the second conclusion is, I'm going to put my finger and experience it for myself. Which out of that experience would build a belief system, there is no value in sticking your finger in a plug. Very, very simple illustration. Let me give you another illustration. And, and I've said this time and time again, so I apologize if you think, oh, no, I've already heard that illustration. But, but it makes sense, and, and it, it, it's an inside story, inside joke that all the chapel people can refer to later. And here it goes. A newlywed couple sitting at a, a dinner after they got married, just after they got married, and the, the, the lady brings out a ham, and it's a beautiful ham, but she, the husband notices you cut off the ends of the ham. Why did you cut off the hint? She says, I don't know. My mother always did it. So the husband decided, I, I got to find out. Call your mother and find out why she cuts the ends of the ham off. So they called mama, and mama says, you know, <laughs> I don't really know. That's just why my mother always did. So the husband says, I can't eat this ham until I know why. You ladies are cutting the ends of the ham off. So they call grandma, and grandma says, well, the only reason I cut the ham ends of the ham off is because I never had big enough pans. <laughs> it began to be a habit, a tradition, that here they are, they had a belief system, mommy and daughter, that ham has to be cooked with the ends cut off. Out of that belief system, they did a choice of cutting the ham off, the ends of the ham. And the, the, the experience was that that's right until somebody said, what in the world are you doing? That's not. Illustrations, again, allow God to put into your heart or into your mind right now. There's some things that are going on that when God in his Holy Spirit brings those to your mind, ask yourself, why am I doing that? Is it based on the word of God? Because sometimes we'll get in a place. Let, let me just say this, because this is so important. The voice behind that is speaking to you. Have you ever done something like, <clears throat> let, let me say this. I'm out mowing the churchyard, okay? And people throw, you know, stuff out. It's just the way they do. You know, they throw it all along the front. So I'm out mowing on the riding lawnmower. And, and I get off of the mower and I see a beer can. So I pick up that beer can, and I hear someone honk. <laughs> Anybody know what the voice behind is talking about in my ear? They think you're drinking that beer out there in the yard. That was not the Holy Spirit's voice. I don't even know whose voice that is, but it was somebody in my past that would be saying that, that what if, what if? And it comes back to putting into me my identity that I, if I'm not careful, I begin to walk in fear that everything I do, people are watching to decide if I'm who I should be. Who are you?
Let me read Romans chapter 7, verse 15 today. It was in Alex Sunday School class, and let me tell you, it was like part A of this sermon. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, this is Paul. He's, you know, in our minds, a lot of times he's the most spiritual man in the New Testament other than Jesus. Right? It's about two-thirds of the New Testament. But he has a problem that we would have never known if he wouldn't have wrote it down and we get to read it. So, to some of us, misery loves company. So, if you have been feeling this way, good news. Chances are all of us have felt this way. He says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do it. But what I hate to do, that's, that's what he says I'm doing. Now, now stick with me because it kind of bounces back and forth saying the same thing, but it, he's trying to confirm, I don't have a clue sometimes what's going on. Look at this. He says, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. <clears throat> For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. That is very important for you to understand. Living in his sinful nature, there is no good. But let's continue. It says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. Now, when I read that as a child, I was like, okay, I can agree with that. And really what I heard, which was not true, is you can do whatever you want, say the devil made me do it. Kind of like a red Skeleton, was he? Stanford and son, the devil made me do it. You know, just blame it always on the devil. Paul is in this place of having a problem because of the, the things that people are believing, the law versus walking in the spirit and experiencing by grace the ability to be called a child of God. Let's say it again. The Grace to being able to be labeled the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I have a, a mentor of mine that loves God so much. I mean, he just smiles all the time. And he, he is 80-some years old, and he, he's, his name's Pastor Bob. And, and he, he says, John, you're a righteous dude. And that's kind of a little bit too much slang for a pastor. You know, so like, What? The first time I heard it, I was like, no, no, <laughs> golly gee. And he began to speak into my life that we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. But the question is, do you, does, do you allow your belief system to be based on your identity? The first of all, the grace of God that we all have agreed, if we're a believer and a follower of Christ, I receive that into my life. What? So that I can spend eternity with Jesus. 
But to take it to another step and say that my belief system is that now I'm the righteousness in Christ, well, that might be a little bit too much. Some of our theology and songs and in our song services of years ago, we never questioned, like such a worm as I. That's wrong. But we would sing that stuff to build a belief system of humility, of just saying, oh, I'm just so miserable in where I am. Do you know it's not a great testimony for the world that we're supposed to be the light of the world and the, the salt of the earth, and we're talking about we're just nothing. Don't have anything. Always busted, disgusted. Our, our life is just as wrecked as everybody else. God says, come on up. I have a future for you, and it's a good one. Good news. That's what his word is called, the New Testament, the good news. So, so listen to this. When you get to the deep root motivation, it, it's got to be inside of you. It is based on your identity. Those are the habits that we create. Now, let me say this. It, it's a two-step process. First of all, decide who you would like to be in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you a suggestion, but I'm going to give you the freedom. We used to, it was very popular to wear a little bracelet. What would Jesus do? Anybody ever see those before? What kind of person would do what we're talking about, the Word of God? The second thing is prove it to yourself, you or that person, by little things that you do, the small wins, the wins. Every day you're winning. You're doing those things. That's what a person like that would do. Ask yourself, what or who is the type of person that could get the outcome that I want? This is based on the word of God. Now, again, you can take it into the business world, and it's funny, but the business world, a lot of do a parallel with the Word of God. I don't know if you've ever studied any, any uh, secular uh, business gurus or anything like that. A lot of times what they're doing is they're taking godly principles and speaking it without God or the Word, and it's working. But they're based on the Word of God. It is hilarious sometimes to me to read and think, I'm looking for the author or the speaker to see if they've got a Christian background. And most of the time they do. They just aren't sharing it so that the business world people that are not believers will receive it. That's okay. Be free. They don't have to say at the beginning of every business meeting, Jehovah Jireh, he's... No. They can still teach the word of God in a way that people will go, wow, how did you know that? Because all truth comes down from the Father above. Again, the most effective way to change your habits is to focus on what you, not what you want to achieve or, or all that, but who do you wish to become? Now watch this. Your identity emerges out of your habits. Every action is a vote to the type of person that you want to become. Every action. Now here's the good news. In every election, you don't have to get every vote. The majority of the votes win. 
So when you're creating an identity based on the word of God and you're doing every action is creating a vote for that kind of person that you are. Becoming the best version of yourself requires to continually edit your beliefs and to upgrade and expand your identity. That's why it's so important to be constantly in the word of God. As God told Joshua, do not allow the word of God to depart from your mouth. Read it, meditate on it. Why? Because it's constantly updating and filtering out what a world would like to speak into your identity. Again, it's, it's more than just giving you a better re, a result. But it's changing your belief on who you are. You're the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now, now I'm, I'm going to wrap this up because I know that I've given you a lot to process. And we're going to build on this in weeks to come. And we're going to get into habits. And sometimes this is so fascinating. I, I've learned this about two, three years ago. And I'm still, I'm still processing it, working in my brain so that I'm doing what I'm teaching. Habits are... And I told you a couple of weeks ago about somebody can prime you and you act a different way and it's in your subconscious and you're like, what? So we'll be talking about those things, but I want you to hear this. In Galatians chapter 5, the kind of person, and when you see these results, it's hard for you not to identify that person as a believer. They don't have to say that they're a believer. Hopefully they will. But you can see these things that are generated into somebody that has created a habit that created their identity. When I begin to read this, you'll begin to go, oh, but listen to it anyway. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, I'm going to read, and then we'll get back down to verse 22, but listen to this. You, my brothers and sisters... <clears throat> We're called to be free. Let me just stop there for a minute. Anybody like freedom? I mean, don't we just love to do the American flag? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're more than that. We're believers. We're followers of God. We're children of God. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, You and my you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Sounds like something we try to do around here, right? Good job. Verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Just, just a minute. We're building a belief system that based on our identity. Did, did, you, did you hear what Paul said? That isn't Pastor John. I think that sometimes we don't realize this, but look at it again. For the entire law and prophet is keeping this one commandment, love your neighbors yourself. This isn't a Sunday school class where we have questions and answers, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But do you realize that sometimes we feel like Paul left out one? Because it's two, isn't it? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors. But he says this, if you really boil it down, it's love your neighbors yourself. K 
Can you hear that? That's some belief systems updating right now. All right, let's get on to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by 